Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, February 17th. For the last time, we are live here at the Nielsen Tennis Center in Madison, Wisconsin for the Division I Men's National Team Indoor Championships. It's Championship Monday here. Our two finalists finally decided we're going to talk about how we got here, our takeaways from semifinal Sunday, the other, I believe there's six other matches that went on during the day as well. Give our picks for who we think is going to emerge as the 2020 National Indoors Champion. Joining me to do just that, you know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR and one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Halioris. Chris, welcome back to the mini break. Hey, as always, glad to be here. What a day. Hey, what a day indeed, and as you can tell, we are feeling it. It's been four days. My voice shot. Am I a little bit sick? Of course, that's what's going around here. This is a humble brag. I've been talking to all these players and coaches, and I seem to have caught whatever bug they have as well, but it's been an absolute blast. The tennis, outstanding. You know, it's clear I also think that we got the two best teams here this weekend competing in our final. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we all expected. I know you were forced to take Ohio State (laughs) because you wanted to be a contrarian to to Maddie and I. But uh, I think in our guts, we all kind of we kind of expected to see a North Carolina USC final. And that's what we've got. I don't think anyone would accuse me of not having an ego. But my ego was massaged, we'll say this weekend, because I was talking with ITA's Dave Mullins, of course, a dear friend of ours, and we cannot overstate how grateful we are to the ITA, to PlaySite, all of the people here who have made this opportunity possible for you and I, Chris. I mean, it's an absolute blast in the booth, but Dave Mullins comes up to me and he goes, hey, you were right. And I was like, oh no. I was like, what did I do? What did I say? Because I don't remember half the stuff I say. Um, and he goes, no. Uh, when we were talking on the pod and you said, what are the two things, or like, what is the one thing I should know for this college tennis season? And apparently what I told him is, when in doubt, just pick North Carolina. I was like, <laughs> men, women, it doesn't matter. They're going to win. And it turns out I, I, that well, that's something I got right as well. So we'll take it. Uh, and obviously I say North Carolina because today's men's final. It's going to be the number four seeded North Carolina Tar Heels taking on our two seeds the USC Trojans. We'll talk about how we got there first. I have to give a shout out to our friends, of course, at Diadem. Diadem, you know the deal by now. They're on the forefront of all racket technology, all string technology, innovations going on in the game. And look, the the bracket you play with is the most personal choice you can make as a tennis player. Chris, I think you can attest to this. If you have, if you're not comfortable with your racket, you're just not going to play well. That's right. And so, for our, we're telling you, you can trust our friends at Diadem. It's good for the pros, Sekou Bangora, Carousel, both former college greats they use them and you know if it's good enough for them it's good enough for you so be sure to give them a look if you use our promo code cr50 50 off your purchase so not only are you getting a better racket but you're getting it at a much lower price and as we learned with all these shank winners you know the frame is just as important as the string so you want yeah we've seen plenty of that exactly so you want to go diet him all the way through and so again that promo code cr50 but with that in mind Two completely different narratives to tell based on the story score lines from our two semifinals. Given who you know who I am, given where you know where we are at in the semifinals, I are in the finals. I think we have to start with our first semifinal. That, of course, was the USC Trojans taking on the University of Michigan Wolverines. The Wolverines were the the, narr- the Cinderella story of this event. Not to say that it was completely unexpected to see them in these semifinals because of the, we're indoors and they're a Big Ten team. The majority of their season always going to be played indoors. They've been so good at doubles throughout the past you know, five, ten years, throughout the, certainly the duration of Coach Adam Steinberg's tenure. And we talked about it in our preview yesterday. Any upset 
recipe for the Wolverines had to involve the doubles point. This doubles point came down to 7-6 in the third at the three doubles position, and the Wolverines took it. And in that moment, given where we're at with Brandon Holt's health, he didn't play in doubles, but we had talked to uh, volunteer assistant coach Dean Bauman before. It did look like he was going to play in singles, and in fact, he did. Michigan needed that doubles point. They got it. And then the chase was, how can they find four points? And Chris, they came. I mean, I guess we can start with that doubles point. I, I'm sorry for going on a rant there. You can tell my heart broken. I, my voice lost because of the illness, but also because I'm emotionally devastated. Um, but the Wolverines did. They came out just swinging. Yeah, they. I mean, they. as you said, they had to have the doubles point. They were, they were into it. We got the normal, you know. The typical Connor Johnston, every single point, double fist pump, uh, you know, flexing, and just they they were into it from the get go, and it was even they were into it before the match started, as we've mentioned during the broadcast. They hit when they hit the warm up court, forty five minutes before the match, it's loud. They come by, and we have to pause what we're doing on camera or on on audio because they're right below us making so much noise that nothing's audible. So just a quick tangent on that. The Michigan men's tennis account yesterday tweeted out uh, on the broadcast. The broadcasters called this Michigan team the loudest, most energetic team at this event. And I want to be like, yeah, but do you know who said that? Like, it was me. <laughs> that doesn't count. Like, come on, guys. You can't tweet that out. It was me. Uh, but I was really flattered. Um, but So that was really funny. But, yeah, I mean – that, that camaraderie, that overwhelming energy, that's a staple of Coach Steinberg's team. And it's not for everyone, but you can just tell these six Wolverines. And it was huge for them. They got the addition of Matthias Seymour and Pat Maloney playing in this match. Coach Steinberg whipped out all the big guns. You don't play in a national semifinal all day. Credit to him for being aggressive, for going for it in this moment. And it almost worked that they had Maloney and Seymour back. Seymour Fenty played one. They lost to Cookerman and Riley Smith 6-4, but that allowed Johnston Styler to move down to two. That's two guys playing as confidently as anyone here. They get the 6-3 win. It comes down to a breaker at three doubles. And ultimately, yeah, 7-4 in the tie break. Uh, that 7-4 that breaker goes the way of the Wolverines. Harrison Brown, Pat Maloney over freshman uh, Stefan Dostinich, Bradley Fry, and it was one over Wolverines. But we said after that doubles point, how are the Wolverines going to find four singles or three singles wins? Even with you know Holt stepping up top, especially pushing everyone else down, it was like okay, you know you think the bottom four, uh, b- bottom three, four, five, six are all going the Trojans' way. And, so, and, you know, we're going to be able to compete. You know, Fenty versus a sick Brandon Holt. That's a toss-up. Styler with how confident he's playing, even against the number one player, Daniel Kukerman, the kooky monster in the country. You know, that's a toss-up. But we thought, you know, three through uh, four through six was going to be all Trojans. And what was most amazing, Chris, first sets for the Wolverines at four, five, six, and one and two. The Wolverines won five first single sets I mean, what was going through your mind at the time? Because I was bewildered. Even before they got all five in the books, I was bewildered. I was shocked. I mean, there's, yeah, how in the world is this happening? And, you know, uh, you know, and my mind, right in line with Coach Macy's mind. <laughs> He's probably sitting there thinking the same thing, like, what in the world is going on? And to your point, you know, a lot of people may look at the eventual scoreline and see that USC won this match 4-3 and that Pat Maloney lost and that Matthias Seymour lost and went, oh, it didn't help to put them in. No, it helped tremendously to put them in because of the matchups it gave them everywhere else. Connor Johnston beats more Bullis. The one spot that we looked at and said, there is no way we're beating more Bullis because he was looking so good uh, up to that point. And just the contrast in in matchups uh, was, you know, gave gave something to Johnston that we didn't see coming. If you slide that up, and it's Connor Johnston versus Riley Smith, uh, you know, pro, you know that's a totally different matchup. It would have been different across the board. But yeah, when they put five first sets on the board, I think we were all going, "Oh my gosh, this could really happen!" Because now, now USC's got to come back. They've got to win four of these matches, and they only took one first set. They have to win at least three three-set matches. And that's impossible to do. I mean, not impossible, as we'll see, but it's right. the most difficult thing you can ask of your team to do. And we should give a ton of credit to senior Riley Smith. 
won his doubles match. Straight set win over, uh, you know, still ill. Matthias Seymour, it's the same thing as the Fenty Holt match. He didn't get the best Matthias Seymour. But that's a win nonetheless. And to put that point on the board for the Trojans meant everything because they were trailing everywhere else. All of those first sets at the end going Michigan's way. Maloney uh, getting that late break at 3 for 6-3. I mean, it, it was incredible. And, you know, you talked about it for Michigan. Andrew Fenty has been so good. I think we're seeing the sophomore make the leap because he has been that good at this ITA indoors. You talked about their wins throughout the way. He got the win over a and I believe, uh, in their semifinal. He got the win over Ito here, a win over Sick Brandon Holt. But still, he did his job and got that quick point on the board. We talked about their upset recipe, though. For the Wolverines, they had to get the top two. That's just the two where they their top two can compete with any top two in the country. And it's crazy we're saying that. Fenty's a sophomore, Styler's a freshman, but thus far in the year, they have been that good. And Andre Styler was maybe three deuce points going his way from pulling off that upset over the kooky monster. And I do want to talk about that because Styler won that first set 6-1, and we watched Daniel Kukerman just annihilate Axel Geller yesterday, or two days ago. And to see Styler put that 6-1 first set on the board was shocking. Even in the, in the upset recipe we had, 6-1, wasn't it? And, and I mean, so, and then there's those first two service games of the second set. And then I, I'm sorry for going on like this. But Styler got to deuce point both times. He had multiple break chances, I think, in both of those games. And Kukerman held. And when Daniel Kukerman took that second set, 7-5, that's when the momentum started to feel it shift a little bit. And I should say also Connor Johnson, as you mentioned, just rocking more Bullis. I mean, Bullis was never comfortable, 6-3, 6-4. Uh, but as soon as the kooky monster took that second set, that's when you said, uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, we can't, and we even remarked during the, during the broadcast, right, even USC's down where they're at, and we're going, it's still probably 50-50 just because you had that sense that they were going to make that push they had something coming and yeah when when Kukerman split when uh, you know Ryder Jackson had a super super important tie break in that second set that that was I mean for all intents and purposes that was the match and you talk about that 50-50 in that end of the third set in particular uh, at that six or second set excuse me at six it was a seven six set went the way of Ryder Jackson and it felt like if the Wolverines did not close out there because we had three points on the board we sorry doubles point one singles four singles were on the board Maloney was in a breaker to clinch it it felt like if we if we I'm sorry if Michigan couldn't get that point you know because and it, it took Maloney ever I think he had three deuce games in a row just to get to six all Ryder Jackson was just pressing him and pressing him and pressing him and when Maloney lost that breaker too, Kukerman was in the third hit. He ran up a 4-1 lead on Styler. Now Styler ended up coming back, sending it to a third set breaker, and we can end there. But, you know, it always felt like Stefan Dostinich was going to flip that match against Nick Beatty. That 6-2 first set, you know, surprising, to say the least. Um, but it felt like Ryder Jackson, after he won that tiebreaker, it was going to be the same thing. You felt like the Trojans had six. Styler got it to a second set, or a third set breaker. Styler had won a third set breaker for the Wolverines to send them to the round of 16 over Ole Miss. He had come back from 4-1 down. It felt, he had just held at love, I believe. It really, I think he had a deuce point at 5-all to break Kukerman. It did feel like the kook, you know, Styler was going to pull off the upset, and then the kooky monster runs out to a 5-0 lead. He was just too good down the stretch. That's why he's the number one player in the country. Yeah, it's he has been. I mean, he's been money on the big points. If the Trojans it, win today, that's your most outstanding player. Yeah. Oh, there's no question. I mean, you, you, you always lean for those most outstanding players yeah. to the top of the lineup. Sure. Brandon Holt's been ill. It obviously can't be him. And, and Cougarman has been. I mean, rocks on the. The, what we saw him do to Axel Geller in that match against Stanford was was just absolutely crazy. And then to come back and do what he did with Styler after dropping the first set 6-1, and he was, yeah, all those big points, is just, you know, just money. 
Yeah, and for some historical context now, and again, credit to Daniel Kukuman, credit to these SC Trojans. As, as anti- we say that. Oh, and yeah, they filter in and out. Of course, they're walking on court now to get their practices underway for this morning's final, this morning noon's final, by the way. You can watch us on the broadcast. Um, but, you know, the question now is, They've been injured. They've been sick, this Trojan team. They've been on the road now for like 10 days as they went to Columbus before this event as well. All of these different things. It takes so much mental, physical, just emotional energy to pull off a comeback like that. And I cannot credit Coach Brett Macy enough, the, this coaching staff, this team. They make now their fifth ITA indoor final in the past nine years. But the question is, and I, my question to you, how much do you think they have left in the tank? Because we I mean, saw yesterday, Ohio State came out flat in doubles after that emotional 4-3 win over Wake. Yeah, but it's it's a national championship match. I think the, uh, the to your point is, as to what you have left in the tank, I guess it's going to be certainly you, ha- you, have, you can come out with energy. Yeah. Now, two hours later, do you still have it? That's, you know, where, when you get beyond the mental part and emotional part of it, just physically do they have it I still go back to hey these are 20 year old kids that are in the best shape of their lives Uh, I think I'm not going to say that that's going to really be a factor I think they'll be fine illness maybe you know that can take you down but but sheer time on court and and the fact that they've played a lot these kids could play all day I mean most of them played six hours a day you know as, as as a junior so playing one match that lasted three hours in a day and having to come back the next day. It was, they're going, hey, it's still only one match. When I was playing my USTA tournaments, I had to play two singles matches and two doubles matches in a day. This is this is nothing. Yeah, and so, look, we see them on court. They look ready. You're right. It's a national championship now. There was something to when they had head coach Peter Smith. I mean, that guy comes out ready. He has always has his team in the right mindset. So that's why they are always so successful. Of course, it helps, helps when you have Steve Johnson, too. But, you know, this is a different team. It's the new identity. They still have Coach Chris Quinta, and they do have the nucleus uh, that they've had now for the past three years, so four years. So this team certainly going to be ready to compete. But- Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. They are going to get in my opinion, the best team in this tournament, the team that's performed just consistently dominant uh, we, throughout this weekend, and that's the UNC Tar Heels, who, in knocking off the Ohio State Buckeyes 4-0 uh, in our semifinal, they're 10-0 now on the season. Nine of those wins, Chris, were by a 4-0 score. I know, you know, they, I'm sure there are some cupcakes in that schedule, and there are certainly matches that were in third sets or that they were trailing in when those matches completed, and that was, again, the case today, and we can talk about that in a second. But for these Tar Heels, the way they jump on you in doubles, you're, you're just down 1-0. You know, it, it doesn't even matter. You know, you're down 1-0 in the first 30 minutes. It's just you can guarantee that. You can lock that in. Yeah, that's the doubles has been just... It's been ridiculous for them. They jump on you. Yeah, I don't even. It's you're you're just trying to find. I mean, your goal when you're playing them in doubles is to try to get to two all, three all in every match. Just find, you need to get out of the gate and not find yourself down a break on a couple courts in the first ten minutes. And nobody's been able to do it yet. Everybody they've played has been down breaks immediately. I mean, that's that tends to happen when your three doubles team wins their first two matches six zero and six one. And then I'm not sure what the, the was it a breaker yesterday? Uh, I can't remember what the score on three doubles was. Five four, uh, uh, Ranky and Seguin. Oh, okay, but uh, yeah, they finally got a close match, if you will. Yeah. But I mean, it's they they've just put up break leads immediately. They jumped up a break immediately on court one uh, yesterday against Literally, the number one doubles team. Yeah, it was it was two zero in, yeah. in, in no, three minutes. No, it was one zero break. McNally cast surf right. first. Literally, yeah. they broke them immediately. Yeah, and and that's the what is that you know currently the number one ranked doubles team in the ITA rankings. Yeah, 
And so Blumberg, you know, Cernok at one. They've been rock solid. I don't think they've lost. I think they're 3-0. and I think they've won all three. Now for this team that they get a win from the number three team in the country in Kiger and Sondergaard at the two position. And then, yeah, Seguin, Rinky, their two and three singles players at three. It's insult to injury. It's like having Aragonian Altamirano at three back in the day for those Virginia teams. That's the sort of depth these Tar Heels have in doubles. And they're 3-0 and on the, you know, 10-0 and in doubles points on the year, 3-0 and this weekend. Uh, that, and that could prove so critical when we get to our finals prediction, given the depth that both of these teams have in singles. But for the Tar Heels, I think what I appreciate most and why I'm, I feel so good about their their chances entering this final is how consistent they've been, Chris, across the board. You know in this tournament you're going to get a win from Brian Cernock at 5. He's 3-0. and He clinched today over Trotter 4-5. and He served for that match at 5-3, I believe, or 5-4. Trotter broke him. I think Cernok broke right back for 6-5, then held for 7-5. You know you're going to get a win probably from Rinky, who I believe is 2-0 now in this tournament as well. But he was leading uh, in that first match, I think, against TCU when it stopped. Uh, so you know, Or against South Carolina, excuse me, when it stopped. And then, you know, for them, it's that they have so many options to find point number four as well. Blumberg continued his form into that first set. And I do want to give a shout-out to John McNally, who really stepped up his level in set two and you know he was up a break 2-1 in set number three when the match stopped and one of the exchanges probably of the day was watching John McNally turn to his teammates and you know they're, they're all scoreboard watching the big scoreboard with all of the single scores is right above court number one where John McNally's playing and he sees Tim Siebert watching and says hey and I'm paraphrasing this is what I imagine he said he goes look get to the other f- side like are you kidding me right now like look at yeah, the scoreboards where did, we're at yeah, three he, through he literally six. did it and me and cannon him and cannon kingsley i'm now i'm entering the persona of john McNally. he's like look me and cannon are fine like go f- root for your teammates like we want to stay alive and we need to stay alive at the bottom of the lineup because that's where the tar heels flex their strength yesterday they get the wins uh from three from five and from six simon sondergaard who's looked so good in his two appearances he was a game away uh in his first quarterfinal match he yesterday one and two over freshman robert cash he's gonna play another freshman today and you know Ryder jackson is not robert cash singles wise that's a whole different thing um but they just have options yeah, I think I think it'll be that'll be a great clip. The one you referenced when McNally was trying to tell Seabert and company to get the heck over to the other side. I believe after the tournament is over, they will release all of the videos from Play Site so that you can go back and watch any of them. That was at either four one or five one in the second set. Yep. Both McNally and Kingsley were at because four, they were one, five one. They were cruising, and McNally, as you said, he was scoreboard watching, and he was looking up, seeing, holy crap, we're down one zero. It might have even been two zero at that point, and and we lost five first sets. And there are a couple matches that are in danger of yeah. ending in very very quickly in straight sets. Get your ass over there yeah. and and root those guys on because we're gonna win this set here. Yeah. You don't need to be here. Yeah, come back to me you know? later. And and he literally I think he was trying to get his point across because he three or four times he kept making the pointing gesture. Yeah. He pointed at Kingsley and then he kept pointing across the way and he was directing it straight at his bench guys that were in the in between courts two and three and telling them, you know, get lost. But yeah, I mean, I think to me one of the keys to this match today is going to be court three. We've seen what we think, you know, we've talked about what we think could happen in some of these. That match between Rinky, who's been rock solid, Riley Smith, who's been great hitting bombs. Indoors. And and, and you and I both witnessed as soon as North Carolina was able to get back on the court yesterday, immediately, Rinky was sitting here on court three behind us having somebody hit backhand slice approaches deep into his backhand corner over and over. it was just a drill you hit a slice approach into my backhand i hit the backhand pass because he knows that's what he's going to see from riley smith he's going to get the one ball, he's going to get the ball back riley smith's going to hit that backhand slice into his backhand and come to the net and rinky was over and over so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if that practice uh, was really helping out but that match is going to be key for them because it's one, frankly, that we kind of favor North Carolina and you figure if Rinky can weather the Riley Smith serve, if he can get it into a ground game, he's been so good that that's probably an advantage for him and in a match that may very well 
come down in a in a three all type scenario to to one match. That that's a very important point. I think that one's gonna be fun. I think Seguin Sernak's gonna be great. But we should absolutely. Oh dang! The Trojans are getting loud right now. I'm not sure who they're yelling at. Oh, they're getting ready to get their warm-up on, so we apologize for that little tangent there. Westoff, definitely leave in that yelling exchange, though, because it shows how amped these Trojans are. They're Somebody showed up that they're all saying hi to. I'm not yeah, sure who it is. Yeah, so they must be excited for that. But beyond that, you know, I do want to just put the finishing bow real quick before we start previewing our final on this Ohio State team. Look, Ohio State was the number one seeds, Chris, and I know this match ended up being 4-0. I see you're completely distracted. It's okay. We'll get yeah. back. Well, I'll get you back your attention quickly um before this ohio state team it was 4-0 but mcnally kingsley they stepped up at the top two they were right there and so i think if you're coach tucker you can keep that in mind as well i also think you know you expected them to jump out in that doubles point that they didn't you know the next time if this matchup happens again you know tucker will have them ready that will not be the case teams will be changed strategies will be changed round two would not look like round one um but you know so i I do want to say you know it was 4-0, but the Buckeyes are in the same caliber as in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. This this 4-0 match was five minutes from being a 4-3 match. Yeah. I mean, you, it you felt look at the, almost like that SC-Michigan thing again where it's like, okay, it if did. Trotter can just extend it to a third, now we're talking. Yeah, because look. Because was almost clinching. Seelig was two points away. Yep. He was in. As Mr. Seelig reminded us. Yes, <laughs> many, many times. He was two points from clinching, from winning his match. That would have made it 3-1. McNally, Kingsley, both already up breaks in the third set. Obviously, holding all the way out is no easy feat, but let's just say they hold their serves through the match. That's three points. It's now all down to, to that Sernock-Trotter match. And it was, fi- and at that point, it was 5-all. Mm-hmm. So we're at 5-all going, hey, if Trotter wins this set, they're already up breaks here. It, the whole match is on court five. So, yeah, it, the 4-0 looks like, oh, wow, they got blitzed. Hey, I mean, fi- yes, in the end, they did. But five minutes of, of a, you know, a deuce point going a different way on Trotter's court, and all of a sudden it's 4-3 and everybody's on court five. And it's why I want to give a shout-out to Brian Cernock. And, you know, again, you talk about most outstanding player usually tilts towards the top of the lineup. That win was critical for Cernok and, and the Tar Heels. And now he's 3-0 in singles, 3-0 in doubles, six wins. That's the most he can have at this point. That's your most outstanding player to me thus far uh, from the Tar Heels, with all due respect to Will Blumberg, who's obviously been sensational uh, at the top of the lineup in both singles and doubles. But credit to the Tar Heels, who have now made the semifinals or better in four out of the past five years at this event. They were winners back in 2016. As I mentioned, nine of their ten wins this year by a 4-0 uh, score line. And then, you know, credit to Coach Sam Paul, by the way. He got his 500th career win uh, in that match. And now this North Carolina program has the chance to be the first team since Stanford to sweep both the men's and women's indoor titles in the same year since, you know, Stanford did it in 2000. So let's get into this final preview, Chris. Let's start where we always start. The biggest line of questions for you, I think we saw yesterday... And I would be shocked that we see him on court now. He looks dressed and ready to go. I think we see Brandon Holt in singles without question. The question is, A, do we see him in doubles? B, do you think it matters? And then C, do you expect that we're going to see Simon Sondergaard at the sixth singles position for UNC? Because I think that's their only line of question. Yeah, well, I think it matters, yes. If It's the national championship. If Brandon Holt is going to play, we'll play he both. plays both. Sure. Although we did see him struggle at the end of yesterday's match and, against well, Fenty. But, but that's, that's where I'm going to say I'm not convinced that there's no question we see him in singles. I'm not convinced. I think we did see that, and it wasn't even just the end. I mean, you could see he wasn't coughing and hacking nearly as much as he was that first day uh, when he was when he was playing uh, Alistair Gray but he was clearly you know labored in his breathing and making between every point as he would walk back to the tarp taking his time taking deep breaths he seemed to have a rhythm down of how to kind of catch his breath he's clearly still a little under the weather and I don't I'm I'm not convinced that if like if you if you truly believe there are many cases where you can truly believe, hey, I'm going to throw a guy out there because I need him to hold the spot down. I don't care if he just 
you know, if he just walks it off and gets beat 6-0-6-0, but he holds the position and leaves my other guys at two through six, and we're good. In this case for USC, as we saw when they pulled him against Stanford and still waxed Stanford, I think they could weather, even against a North Carolina team, I think their team is so so deep that they would be better off if they knew. If Coach Macy said, look, I know Brandon's a loss because he just can't, you know, physically he can't go. And, the, and if your question is, do I just take the loss at one but leave two through six where they are? Or do I slide everybody up and not give a free point away? I say you slide everybody up and don't give the free so point away. So it's interesting you make that point, and I really do enjoy that. Again, that and your Wake Forest almost over Ohio State picks are probably your two best takes thus far of the week, and you've had a lot of good ones. Um, because you saw the way the Trojans came out against Stanford without Brandon Holt, they came out energized. They came out hot. Kukerman rocked Geller. You know, Riley Smith was the only guy dying, but more bullets stepped up at the three positions. Stefan Dostin, Ryder Jackson, Bradley Fry, all of them stepped up. They were ready for the moment. That being said, you're going to tell your senior captain, Brandon Holt, who's been one of the five best tennis players in college tennis probably over the past three years even, and he's a senior, that he's not going to play in a national championship. Good luck if you're a first-year coach, Brett Macy, right? Yeah, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Coach Macy makes that decision. Look, Brandon is a great kid. I think what Coach Macy does is he tells Brandon straight up. He says, look, here's the deal, Brandon. If you're 100% and you feel like you can beat in, the, in your heart of hearts, you feel like you can compete and beat Will, you play. If you feel down deep that even though you want to think you could beat him, but you're just not 100% and you're probably not going to be able to outlast him, we are better off letting everybody else slide up. As a team, you tell me what you feel it is because I'm not in your body. I don't know if you think you've got that in you, but you've, you've got to tell me where we are. And you let Brandon Holt make that call. Well, that's the thing, though. Can you really let the student make the call? Because don't you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, Coach, I'm ready. No, well, I think in this I think in this case with Brandon, I think you can. I, yeah, absolutely. Any kid out there yeah. is going to say, Coach, put me in. I want to play. C.M. Waldy, Texas, but, case in point. Yeah, but with this this much uh, on the line, and, then, and the fact that he can even point to that and go, look, hey, look, look what happened to Texas when they had to do that with C.M., the, the downsides here of you telling me that you're good and then not even being able to compete and getting and getting killed uh, are you know are not to our benefit so you're you know this decision is for the best of the team not you is and if it's better for the team and I think Brandon's the kind of kid that will make the right decision there and he knows his body he knows I, I think if he can how he was feeling the last, you know at the end of that match yesterday. Has he gotten better? When he got up today, was he better? And sure, if he feels better today, he's absolutely going to say, yep, I can do it because I feel better today. And maybe in the end you find out, oh, it's a three-set battle, and nah, he wears down by the end. But but they've got to have a chance. You cannot afford to go in and give up the free point at one. Uh, I mean, so that's a good point. And again, for Coach Macy, it's a tough choice because you have – I think everyone on your roster, down to Fry and Sands, who are 7-8 and eight right now, if you play Holt, is ranked. And so you have choices. You don't lose much at 4-5-6 when you push everyone up a spot. That's certainly a factor now. You know, for the flip side, for these heels, you know exactly what you're getting at each and every spot. Blumberg, Seguin, Rinky, uh, Peck, Cernok, Sondergaard. And like, or at least Peck. And then 6, maybe you play, but I think we're getting Sondergaard today. There's continuity. For Coach Paul, and there is something to knowing, you know, before the match, hey, we know our six. We know who we're rolling with. We're riding and dying with these guys. Let's rock and roll. That being said, you look at the UTRs, uh, you know, up and down the board, three favorites for each team, assuming Brandon Holt is playing. Uh, Blumberg's a favorite at one by .12. Rinky over Riley Smith by .2. Cernok over Dostinich by .34 for the for the Trojans. .1 advantage for Cookerman over Seguin. Uh, Bullis .36 over Josh Peck. Ryder Jackson .37 over Simon Sondergaard. You take Holt out, that does change a little bit. And in fact, I will take it out right now just to see what that looks like. Uh, let's assume they play Fry, which is what they did last time. Now you have four underdogs for the for the Trojans, and that bullish rinky hijikata match becomes a toss-up as they have the same UTR. So the question is, is that the choice you make for if you're Coach Macy? I think he plays Brandon. I don't know how you don't. I mean, I think well, 
based on the fact that we actually we see, see, him, him, on see court. him dressed right now and on court, I think that he's he's playing. But I'll tell you what, from a sheer matchup style, yeah. I like Kukerman's chances. Well, matchup and the fact that Brandon may clearly not be a hundred percent. We've seen Will Blumberg in the first you two off ma- the court. Yeah, he. If you don't hit the pace to push him around, he hits you off the court. The the points in the matches where Paul Jubb, you know, push got was competitive with him, where McNally made the turn. We it was a clear point yesterday in the McNally match. The first set, McNally couldn't hit the pace uh, around. He was hitting either. Slices that floated or shorter balls, and Will Bumper absolutely destroyed them. All of a sudden, in that second set, McNally started ripping the ball. If if you ask me, who's more capable of ripping the ball at will? It's Kukerman. Brandon's game is a game of it's not a ripping the ball. It's much more a game of the movement, the angles, the positioning, the shot placement. He, and maybe he can still be just as effective in pushing Blumberg side to side and not letting him get those those shots in. But it's not going to be the pace that Kukerman puts on the ball. But again, I'm with you. I, th- I mean, I think Holt's going to end up playing. Yeah, so assuming that's the lineup, we get Brandon Holt at the top, Ryder Jackson at six. Assuming we get Sondergaard at six, Chris, it's that time. Give me your prediction. Who is walking away with the 2020 National Indoor title? Well... <coughs> Picked him before the tournament. Can't back off now. Got to take North Carolina. And, and give me what it looks like. So I think uh, the the doubles point has. I mean, from what we've seen, it would be it would be akin to me picking Wake Forest to beat Ohio State <laughs> sure. to try to pick USC to win this doubles point. I don't see, and I did make that Wake Forest pick, but I'm not going to go there now. I, you have to favor North Carolina in doubles. One and three has been so rock solid for him this tournament. And then that leaves you not even talking about Kiger and Sondergaard, who are like ranked number six in the ITA and play together, have played together, you know, all of last year. They're just, I mean, those guys are rock solid. You have to favor North Carolina in the doubles point. So if we say it's 1-0 North Carolina now for North Carolina, I look at the top, I look at the top two and say, hey, both of those top two are so good. Let's just Let's call it a split, In and if it is a split, I believe the way that goes is Blumberg gets the win at one, um, and Kukerman gets the win at two, so uh, I'll call those two a split, and then three and four, again, I say we split three and four, Rinky been so clutch at three for them, that is the match, as I pointed out earlier, though, that I think could be the flip, if, if USC wants to win it, I think that's the one they need to flip in my mind, but I'll, I'll go with Rinky, four, uh, for I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take more Bullis uh, over Josh Peck. Bullis is going to get he he was he was made to look a little bit bad by Connor Johnston with just all the diff, the junk pace the different kinds of balls. He's not going to get that from Josh Peck. He's getting all pace from Josh Peck. More Bullis loves all pace. I'll take more Bullis. And then we go to five and six. And again, I'll say we split. Got to give the advantage to the freshman. Ryder Jackson at six over Simon Sondergaard. I mean, that is the, the that is if you're gonna find a weak spot, a quote unquote weak spot in the Carolina lineup, that's it. They've rotated, they've played Kiger there, they've played Sondergaard there. Kiger played the first day against South Carolina, took a bad loss, worked himself out of the lineup. Sondergaard's been there the last two days, has played well, so uh, they'll need that from him. But I'm still gonna say you got to give the edge to Ryder to Ryder Jackson, and then Brian Cernock, as you said, he's your most valuable player. Uh, most, outstanding. The most outstanding player. I'm not sure what the difference is, but uh, most outstanding player in the tournament so far for you. You've, you've got to favor him at five. So I think from that one, three, and five advantage Carolina, I'll go two, four, six. USC doubles Carolina, four, three Carolina. I like it. Look, I'm really excited about getting to do this full time because now I get to work my political realm of jokes. It's a whole brand of humor you haven't even heard yet, Chris. <laughs> oh, well, you have heard, but off mic, it, off mic, I suppose. It, which, in addition, 50% of will go so far <laughs> over my head that I don't even get it. Okay, well, we'll try this one. You know how there are tipping point states in the Electoral College? It's like if Wisconsin and Arizona this year go in the way of the Democrats, they're probably winning this election. For me, 
if Rinky Hichikata's match is going the way of the Trojans, I think the Trojans are winning this match. I think if Rinky can win at three, he's the freshman. I do think Blumberg, given just how healthy they are, the way Brandon, you know, Blumberg plays big, he's going to need to get stretched. And Brandon can absorb pace and redirect it as well as anyone. But I think Holt plays more in the style of an Oliver Crawford than a John McNally. And we saw what Blumberg did to Oliver Crawford. So I do lean heavy Blumberg there. I've made my case for Cernock enough, so I take him at five. The question is, where does point number four come for the Tar Heels? And as good as Ben Seguin is, Kukerman has looked outstanding this tournament. As great as you know Peck is, and he was down yesterday, and more Bullis was down, obviously lost yesterday as well. I, I just lean Bullis there. I agree with you. I think that's it. And five and six is a toss-up. I do think, you know, if that three singles match is Wisconsin and the six singles match is Arizona, you know, both of those matches could go the Trojans' way. The question is, do I think the Trojans can win four singles matches, two matches in a row? Because I think it's all Tar Heels in doubles. And not unfortunately, but perhaps unfortunately for Coach Macy's team, my answer is no. I agree with you. I think the Tar Heels win. I'm going to take it 4-2. Uh, not because it can't be 4-3. I just think there's going to be an unfinished match. That's just how things work sometimes. So I'll take the Tar Heels 4-2. Um, and I think it's going to be a really good match, though, one way and the other. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if either team won. All right. It's time. We haven't done. I've not done this with you. It's time oh, no. for, for the segment where I make a political joke. Give Please you, don't. No, I give <laughs> you my questions. Okay. Over-unders. Yes. Over-under. Hold on, Westhoff, give me an over-under sound effect. You get your own sound effect. I get my own sound effect. I love it. Okay, here we go. We've seen the huge emotion, to put it mildly and kindly, that we see from Ben Seguin at number two. Oh, no. Over-under, one and a half. The number of heated interactions between... Daniel Kukerman and Ben Seguin during the match. Over. Now, if you're asking me if it's one and a half point penalties due to set action, probably take the slight under there. Yeah, that one's going to get loud. Yeah, I just, yeah, and I don't mean, you know, just guys getting loud. I mean the two guys, as we look over, (coughs) jawing at each other, which you're not supposed to do, right? But actually just kind of getting into it. So you're taking the over on one and a half. I am. I I do think that's going to be a close one. I would also say the over-under. Who's more likely to shatter a window due to how ya- loud they're yelling? Rinky Hichikata well, or Riley Smith? You're already blowing my next over-under. Oh, okay, go for it. My next over-under was, I'm going to say, over-under four and a half. The number of times I have to stop and remark that I've heard the classic Rinky Hichikata. Come on! Well, the good news is they're changing the format, and so this it's on is, one, two, and three. I, this is so terrible for, for the folks at home. Court three has been directly at our back. Court one in front of us, court three directly behind us. They're moving. It's better in, in reality on the whole. It's better for us because it's now one, two, three, and four, five, six. So they're banks of three in, in where it has been two and four. So that court, that, that court six has been four courts away and very hard for us to see. So we'll be able to see that better. But the fact that we're not going to have Rinky and Riley directly at our backs where we can basically just turn our head 180 it's degrees a upset. and watch that. I'm a little disappointed there that now I've got to look down to see that. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I probably should have set the number higher. for It's probably more like eight and a half. But, I mean, clearly the – and really just I love – I love that emotion. You know, if you're the kind of guy that loves to watch college tennis and you love to hate somebody, right, just because of they're not on maybe on the team that you want to play and now they're getting under your skin. But at the same time, if you were a fan of that team, oh, my gosh, you love that guy so much. That's Rinky. I mean, Rinky is the one that's just getting on your nerves also, or you're in love with respectfully, him. it's probably Riley, too. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a fun match for sure. And, look, we are so thrilled for our final. Hopefully you all will join us on the broadcast one more time. That's going to be 12 p.m. Central time for that first serve. You can find that link on Twitter, uh, at Crack Rack Gets College Tennis Ranks, at Great Shot Pod, or from the ITA site, wearecollegetennis.com. 
And it's been great doing the broadcast all weekend. In fact, we got to broadcast not just the semifinals, but a couple other matches yesterday as well. I do want to quickly take a look from around the grounds, then I want to save my voice, get some tea to get warmed up for this final. We do see these teams getting on court warming up now. We got to do our warm-up routine, Chris. But let's look elsewhere, and there were uh, six other matches yesterday. Only going to be one match in today's final day, uh, but there were six yesterday. Going to run through the winners real quick. TCU. They have come on strongly. It's crazy to think. I think they're 5-4 and four now, and we talked to head coach David Roditi after this match. You can see that video live on our, on our YouTube channel, at Cracked Rackets, for the video. I believe it's going to be released as a Cracked interview as well. They've made the turn. 4-0 over the Aggies yesterday. They won the doubles points, got wins across the board. We're up across the board. Your prediction about them looking a little bit better now, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still never doubted the prediction. Unfortunately, the the predictions shot with the start of the year they had as far as where I wanted to where I thought we might see is them is it though because Baylor I mean uh, I'm just saying seeding wise they can still get there yeah, they, oh they can be a top 8 seed yeah. I just don't think they're gonna yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna and that, when I say shot no they can still they can still win the Big 12 and that, that was really the big prediction for me was yeah. hey I'm making them my preseason Big 12 favorite right yeah. now now that that prediction was made before Jensen Brooksby was known to be coming back, but uh, I still think you know. But I would I'll stick with it, and I'd still stick with it now. I think that's a very good. They are coming on. They're looking good, um, and that was even without. And and I don't know if that's a coach's decision. Or not one thing we didn't ask Coach Raditi. No Jiracek, uh here this week in in singles playing. Uh, probably in large, I'm going to assume it is a coach's decision in large part to the fact that Sander Jong looked great. Well, I think he was also a little injured. Uh, was he? Okay. Yeah. So, so no Jirashek, but we, we, you've got you've got Fernley, you've got Paralek, uh, both playing uh, in the top four for them. Uh, Famba yesterday, and then and Fam. Now, I mean, Famba clearly indoors. Yeah, better better for him. He's the guy that you look at and say, okay. When when we turn outdoors, yeah. does Famba does Famba become the you know your Martin Joyce and Alex Cobalts of the Ohio State last year, where you say, man, those guys are huge indoors and still good outdoors, but obviously they'd rather play indoors. You know, can he still play? Can he still play two outdoors? I actually think we'll see a little shift in that lineup as they move outdoors uh, for them. But yeah, I'm I'm all in on TCU still. I'm going to stay all in on them. And if you haven't seen yet. That that interview with Coach Roditi, some classic cl- coach. I mean, it, it's always fun to talk to him because he's such a great guy. He loves he loves what we do. He loves to joke around. Great joke that I'm not going to repeat here. You have to go. It'll, it's a great Good tease. Team. You have to go watch the Coach Roditi yeah. for the Luke Famba joke. No, That's it. These characters. I mean, again, being here in person as the broadcast has been the highlight, no doubt. A close 1B has been just interacting with all of these players and coaches who have clearly, and we appreciate their embracing of us and their willing to entertain our speculation stuff. It's just been fun. Yeah. It's been really, really fun. So, yeah, great result for TCU. Great result for Florida as well. They knock off Wake Forest 4-1. They drop the doubles point. They don't play Englandson. They go with, I think it was Goodyear and Greif at 5-6. Yes. First time we've seen Goodyear and Greif this tournament. And they get the wins there. They also get a win from Riffis, I believe, and then on, uh, Duarte Valle clinching at three, especially given what we saw Wake Forest do to Ohio State in singles. That's a really good result in, indoors for the Gators. Uh, I know they're your team. You're wearing the Florida sweater, so i got to let you respond to that. Yeah, I mean, look, did I think Florida was going to make the finals here? No, I didn't, right? I picked North Carolina. I knew that was a brutal second-round matchup against North Carolina. Would I have liked to see a better showing against North Carolina? Oh, of course I would have. I mean, that was that was fairly disappointing. But in the end, they come in, they lose the match we thought they were going to lose. They go 2-1 and one, uh, here at the tournament. They they get the win in the first match. They come around, they turn around and they beat Wake, beat Wake Forest. Um same thing the really my takeaway for them is I was convinced and I believe wrongly so I was convinced that by the that the best lineup for them and come the end of the year was going to be Ingoldson 5 Greif 6 I still think the I think outdoors I think it will be Greif in the lineup but Johannes Ingoldson clearly not the Johannes Ingoldson we saw playing one for them two years ago uh, in, 
just not one and two. And not that, even the one playing three for them a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's not the same Johannes Engelson. So so I don't know. That that's a big question mark for me. The good thing for them is plenty of options behind that. They can play Blaze Bicknell, who they've played a fair amount. They can play Josh Goodyear, who they played yesterday that won at five. They can play Will Grant, right? They've got all kinds of options there. So I think we'll we'll see some more of that still. Um, but yeah, I I think a solid tournament for them. Yeah, absolutely. Two and one is always what you want when you come to a thing like this and they get some big ranked wins. You can see a world where it comes down to you know, this win over Wake, their win over Columbia to get them a top four seed, which you just think is going to become that much more important come NCAs, given how strong we see the top of this field being this year, the parity between all these top Yeah, that's, teams. that's a great point, actually, because I think, and I'm sure we'll cover this more in, in a recap, what we called, what I'll call, affectionately call our Power Five, which, which was Ohio State, North Carolina, USC, Texas, and Florida, and, and we said kind of a Power Six in waiting should Brooksby Taylor, yeah. get back healthy and we think they join that group to, in my mind leaving here the power five became the power three with Ohio State North Carolina and USC with both Florida and Texas just kind of ah, not quite they I mean they're still above the rest of the field but not quite there See, with those other guys I with all due respect to Texas and honestly no because they beat Florida you do have to put them there I, I, I agree with you. I think there's a, there, there is that gap jumping. And we'll talk about this more when we talk with Stokowiak to our recap show Tuesday, Wednesday yeah. night. But that's a really good point. And I think even more important than the top three differentiate themselves, it's teams. See, this is where I feel bad because I would put Florida above Texas based on depth. I think Florida competes better against a Columbia, against a Wake Forest than a Texas does just based on their singles depth. But that's where you start to think, like, okay, you know, it's teams one through three fine, but teams – five through 13 uh, it really just depends on the day and the court conditions and that's my takeaway from this weekend as well and we'll get into that and more with Stokowiak real quickly Baylor another loss for them they lose 4-2 to the Lions of Columbia Columbia has proven that they are a team that can compete with anyone in the you know any of these top 10 teams in the country obviously for Baylor they're trying to get Boynton working back into the lineup still no Brooksby Garcia, you know, was still pulled his pulled Dickerson yesterday. Yeah, no, RYA and Dickey. And, I mean, I'm never going to doubt a Coach Bolin team. You know, you're certainly going to see a better team in March, April uh, from these Baylor Bears than we see right now. Uh, and credit to Columbia, again, who looked good. But that was notable. Yeah, my, my takeaway here is we both know Coach Bolin knows a hell of a lot more than we do. So he knows what he's doing. But all these different variations of, of – lineups and things that are and and taking these losses that you would call you know maybe quote unquote he he will certainly take exception to the term bad losses but certainly not losses that you don't want to take that you feel like you ought to win what it's doing is and I think we can all agree that come May April and May as long as they have those guys back and healthy they're going to be extremely good all it's doing is making them a ridiculously dangerous team and horrible, horrible draw for whoever gets them in their side of the NCAA bracket. Oh, could not agree more with you there, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, more throughout the year. South Carolina, fascinating match last night with oh Wisconsin. Our nightcap dropped the doubles point. It was They split first sets and singles. Ultimately, South Carolina comes back. 4-1 victory, but you know credit to Coach Danny Westerman's team who obviously wanted to come out of this weekend at the very least with a point. They prove you wrong. They do get a point on the board, and they were hot last night. I said that was the goal, one point. Yeah. They almost proved me wrong in yeah. getting far more than that point. They took that doubles point, and they took three first sets. Mm-hmm. And I, I kid you not, I text, I'm, I won't reveal sources, I, I text a coach and I go, are you watching this Wisconsin-South Carolina match? This is incredible because, I mean, honestly, we all knew Wisconsin was going to be a severe underdog to even try to get a point. And when they got the doubles point and then they take three first sets and the response I got from that from that person was, this tournament will chew you up and spit you out. And that's kind of, this is a grind and you just never know. And Wisconsin... Right. I think I think that was a case where, yeah, North Carolina had been chewed up, and or South Carolina, excuse me, had been chewed up and spit out twice 
probably not in the best of spirits. Wisconsin, a totally different attitude. They knew they were coming in as huge underdogs in every match, and they were still as excited as they were on day one. They had the fans behind them. They came out fighting. And when they put those first three sets up, we thought, wow, this this could get interesting. Uh, They did make it interesting, but in the end, yeah, they end up losing a a three-setter there and and a couple of the others. They didn't get the first set on and and lose the match 4-1. Yeah, and, you know, again, credit to South Carolina who looked down and out for the first hour and they're like, whoa, wait, we're not losing this match. And so they did come back. It's a credit to Daniel Rodriguez um, that they were able to do just that, So that he flipped his match around, was down, I think, 2-1 in that third, ended up winning it 6-2. Uh, so credit to the Gamecocks there. Two other results real quickly. Texas, 4-2 over Stanford. I didn't get to watch a lick of it. But I know it came down to Yu Ito flipping the script on Axel Geller. 3-6-7-5-6-3 in the third. What that shows is Stanford, after taking that 4-0 loss to USC, yes, they lose this match 4-2 to Texas, but they're in that 5-13 through competing for a top-8 seed. Yeah, they are, but I'll say I've, I've fallen to your side a little bit here, I think, on a little disappointing. I, I was a little more convinced. Like You know, we, we said they were the solid 7 seed coming in, and they were. I, I don't think they've, they've shown me that they... You know, it shouldn't have been so solid. This was definitely a little bit of a disappointing um, result for them. Texas, no CM Waldy uh, with that injury that kept him out of, uh, or didn't keep him out, but but you know hurt their chances of winning that match against Michigan as he was just unable to even serve by the end of the match. He was wearing a sling yesterday, uh, clearly having those elbow slash arm issues. Uh, so they they pull him at three and everybody slides up a spot. Uh, but I will say that Sangeet Sridhar, the three for Stanford, also also out. So basically, it was all square. We both pull our threes. Everybody slides slides up a spot. Uh, and Stanford, you know, they split the top two. The top two for both those teams. Ito Sigsgaard, Geller, Rotzert. I mean, tremendous top twos. They split those. Uh, but then, uh, you know, Texas gets wins from from. Chi Chi Wong uh, at four and Cleve Harper at six. Uh, Stanford does get a win from Kolozinski at five, but uh, yeah, I I would have expected maybe a little more from Stanford. A little bit disappointed there. I know there's no Waldy, but for if you're Coach Burke, Bullard, Spazieri, another seven six win at two doubles to clinch. Harper and Ito continue to look good at three. He's finding his doubles teams, and that's pretty important for him as well. And then our last result, and we don't have to talk about this too much. Uh, UCLA. 4-0 over NC State. Fun fact for UCLA right now, they leave this tournament at 5-4 and four overall, and I was talking to a couple of members of their team. And, yeah, they were happy to get that last win, but that's a concern. Things have not started the way that twenty you know in 2020 that they expected. And now you learn with SC, SC looking as good as they do, Stanford, Cal. You know, the battle for that SC in that Pac-12, excuse me, is not for first, it's for second. And because if you're second in the Pac-12, you probably are for sure a top 16 seed. But you have an inside look at a top 8 seed potentially as well, given the strength of that conference. Teams like Arizona, Arizona State, that ranked wins you can get as well. So thing, the Bruins, not out of it for a top 8 seed, but almost out of it. They're out of it. They're out of it? They're out of it. There's no chance UCLA picks up a top 8 seed. Uh, they would have to, I mean, no chance. Obviously, on paper, if they won out, So they, if they, they beat SC three times. Yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, on paper, it. if you win out, of course you're a top eight seed. But that's just not going to happen. Um, that, yeah, they've, they've got a long road ahead. And the concern there really is, as you said, it's a battle starting at two. I don't think they can take the two spot. I think they're in danger of finding themselves in a battle to stay at least third, right? Stanford and Cal, both very good this year. One of them very likely to stay in front of them. The question is, can they stay in front of the other? And then you throw in an Arizona team right now that's playing very, very good. Uh, I, I'm not going to put any faith in Arizona State at this point. I think Ponwith is, you know, Whatever. he's done. I mean, he's he may play again. He's got, he has an injury that's a long-term type thing. He's, it's not going to be, ah, we're going to see him back healthy for the rest of the year. No. So I, I think that team's uh, in a lot of trouble. But, but yeah, but Arizona clearly uh, can compete with these guys. So, so yeah, th- there's five good teams there. And, and for UCLA, yeah, that, it is, it's a concern of trying to stay 
you know, trying to stay top three don't fall to fourth in, in, in the Pac-12. Yeah, and so those are all stories to monitor and more. We will be doing that in our post-National Indoor pre, uh, Recap podcast. You, me, Matt Sikoyak will join us on that one as well. That'll probably be Monday, or sorry, record Tuesday or Wednesday night, uh, depending on how kind Chris's wife is willing to be to us after we steal, stole him for the past four days. Uh, but so be on the lookout for that. And if you've missed anything from this National Indoors, any of our content, be sure to go check out our website, CrackRackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at CrackRackets. We've done our daily recaps on the Mini Break podcast. Uh, so, And we've had a great chance to talk to so many of these people, all those coming out as Cracked interviews, so be on the lookout as well. We really want to thank all of the parents, coaches, uh, fans who came out, who came up to us and said, hey, we support what you do. Some of them are already Patreon subscribers uh, for our Crack Records Patreon. And, you know, we do this for you. We can't help you enough. As Chris, we've, uh, you know, we're watching these warm-ups now. That's what I want to go do. So we'll wrap this bad boy up. And, you know, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't, you know, get this sort of support if you guys weren't enjoying it so seriously. Thank you so much, all of you, for sending us Twitter messages or whatever it is throughout the day, poking fun at the fact that I've been smoking, it sounds like, two packs a day, uh, which is what it feels like right now in my throat. So let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Chris? No, I'm just excited to get this final uh, final going and uh, claim crown our uh, first national champion of the year. All right. Well, then, for that, uh, again, shout-out to our friends at Diadem and Aerobar for helping to power this podcast. Diadem, our promo code CR50, 50% off their rackets and string technology. Aerobar, use the promo code CRACK30, 30% off those delicious energy bars that have helped Chris and I get through this four-day grind. Shout out, as always, to the super producer, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an ending job they continue to have done. You know, this is our last of, I think it was 10, 11 straight days on the road. I'm excited to get home. I'm excited to work out. I'm watching these guys move around and hit. I'm like, under no circumstances could I do that right now. So we're excited to do that and get back to our normal routine. We'll be talking pro tennis next week, that and more. Uh, so be on the lookout for those mini breaks, of course, cracked interviews galore, all of that fun stuff to come. But for my wonderful co-host, Chris Halliors, our super producers, Max Fleener and Daniel Westoff, our friends at the ITA and Playside, who, again, thank you so much for giving us this sort of opportunity, uh, our friends at Aerobar and Diadem, and from all of us here at Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell the people? That's the break. First day he's remembered it in the four folks, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.